Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this uh, kind of cloudy Saturday up in my studio in Fort Collins today. I don't know how it is around the state, but boy, the weather has sure been off and on, hasn't it? I mean, we've had everything from 80 degrees to snow. It's The water temperatures have changed. The runoff has subsided and taken off. Looked out at the weather, and I think we're going to have, at least temperature-wise, some more stable weather out in the next couple of weeks. It's a little cooler than normal, not a lot, uh, but it's going to be more stable, although we'll start getting into those afternoon thunderstorms. So we'll kind of talk about that later today and how it affects fishing and what you might have to do as you're making your plans. Uh, we have trivia today. I hope you follow us on Facebook at Cherry Wickstrom Outdoors. Uh, the answers usually tend to show up during the week on the Facebook page. We're going to give away a $50 gift card sometime in today's show. Uh, we're going to have Parks and Wildlife on for a couple segments, of course. Austin Parr and Nate Zielinski will join us. And then we're going to have a dog training segment again in the second hour. Ben Garcia is back, and uh, he's just from uh, Hideaway Kennels, and he's been just fantastic. We've had great feedback on him. <clears throat> but let's go right to the phones right now. Uh, joining us from the Colorado Angler, Colorado Angler up in Silverthorne. Uh, they're a full-service fly shop. They have guide service. They even have a guide school. And they're right in the heart of some of the best waters in the state. And joining us from Colorado Angler is Andrew Peterson. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, Terry. Good morning. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great. How's the weather up there? It's a little cloudy today here. You know, it's it's started out sunny so far. The forecast is calling for it to cloud up and uh, this afternoon, <laughs> which is what happened yesterday. Uh, but right now it's gorgeous. So it'll um, go a long way to start some of those some of the hatches off this morning and then the clouds are rolling to make for some great dry fly fishing the rest of the day. Well, I'm on my way, but sounds yeah, great. It, you know, you it's know. early enough, like the better, the best dry fly fishing has been from like one o'clock to five o'clock. So you still got time to make it from Fort Collins. I like bankers hour fishing, you know that, but you yeah. know, I, I don't know if you heard me during the open that we've had some, well, the weather certainly hasn't been in a pattern. I mean, it's been in a, maybe a pattern, but it's been all over the place. And it's really affected, I know down in the front range, it's affected the warm water fishing. Not that people aren't catching fish, but, boy, you really have to change your approach. What's been going on up in the rivers in your area? And maybe you could even tell people some of the rivers you fish. Yeah, you know, that on that on the weather thing there, it's kind of been a – it's been a – roller coaster every week it seems like sunday we get a storm front moves in so we get cold and moisture a lot of snow actually but this week i think it's going to be rain but it'll be cold and dreary for a couple of days which will actually improve the water quality as the little bit of runoff we've had abates and the water clarity improves to about uh, i'd say three feet or more in most areas and then midweek wednesday thursday's kind of transition it turns nice warms up friday's been really nice and then just when the water deteriorates for the weekend then we get another storm to roll in and clear it back up so it's made for some great fishing um we can you know we're kind of all over the central part of the state here we've been doing a lot on the colorado um a good bit on the eagle a little bit on the arc um uh we do a lot on the arc over the course of the year but 
recently we haven't been doing as much down there because I don't know the fishing on the Colorado has just been so solid. Um, been out to the Roaring Fork too, and it's all everywhere is caddis and baitus. I'd say be prepared for that on every river. Um, and like I, on the Colorado lately, you'll you'll roll up to the river in the morning and you see a lot of adult caddis around already, but those are just your residuals from previous days. Uh, we've been finding better luck early in the day on the on the blue winged olive stuff, and then. Um, kind of early to mid-afternoon they switch over to the caddis you know anywhere from 2 to 2:30 or 3 is when i've been seeing the caddis dry fly activity really pick up now on some of these rivers you've mentioned how that flow has been ebbing and flowing and you get clear and you get a little bit of uh stuff in the water makes it hard to see have, have you got a feel for when we might see a, a big runoff or will we or, or is it just too hard to tell this year you know, this year, is, it, there's a lot of factors weighing into that. Um, you know, typically we start to see things ramp up about the 12th to the 15th of May, volume-wise, which then adds color as that those dry stream banks then get inundated and pick up all that debris. But, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. One, we've got really dry uh, soil this year, so they're saying a lot of early runoff is going to just be absorbed into the soil and not make it into the river. Um, the other thing we've got going is some fairly low reservoirs. I wouldn't say um, they're critical. Like, I mean, you drive by Green Mountain, and it, and it is really low, but I think Green Mountain's probably only four or five feet lower than typical and, and not as bad as I've seen it, you know, um, the, you know that last really bad drought cycle about 18 years ago was, was worse. But... Um, so I think we're going to be filling reservoirs, and and I don't think we're going to see on on the rivers that have, um, you know, storage facilities on them. I don't think we're going to see gigantic numbers this year. Um, other rivers that that don't say, you know, the the Roaring Fork, um, you know, certainly the main stem that comes out of Aspen. There's a decent amount of snow to to run into there. We'll I think we'll see the Eagle do okay. I don't think it'll get as big as normal. Uh, but I still think we might see some, you know, something in the 2000 um, CFS range on the Eagle, which most years that can get over three grand. But, uh, but yeah, I think it'll be a mixed bag. I, th- I think we'll be able to fish our way through runoff on streams this year and not have to, you know, abandon all the freestones to get onto, you know, the tailwaters and, and reservoirs, if you will. Yeah, you know, you mentioned, too, that you're getting a lot of dry fly action, especially when the reservoirs clear up, or the rivers, rather, clear up at certain days of the week or certain times of the day. Now, as we get some changes in clarity, if we do see a pickup and runoff or get more rain, do you have to change your tactics, maybe go to different flies or streamers or the position of the fish? How do you approach it when you do get that dirtier water? Yeah, you know, um, as they say, they still got to eat, right? But, the, you know, you will find some <clears throat> interruption to their feeding pattern. A lot of times that with that dirty water from runoff comes a, a temperature drop, which can oftentimes have more impact on, on the fish feeding than than the clarity just because it changes their, their the insect activity and their food source. So, you know, we'll see we'll see the classic dirty water stuff. You know, a lot of bead heads, maybe a, a bigger profile bead head, um, use some of the flashier stuff, um, you know, a lot of San Juan worm stuff. Um, we'll see leeches really performing, um, at times too, during that. Um, 
And, and you know, a lot of it will have to do with how much debris ends up in there, too, as to, you know, I don't think we're going to see a lot of big debris this year, but, you know, those years where you get a lot of branches and twigs and, you know, some of those side creeks blow out and they add a lot of debris, it makes it a little bit tougher sometimes to keep your, your rig clean is, is an issue, too. So always, you know, pay attention to your nymphs, you know, make sure you're not, you know, carrying around extra, you know, moss or leaves, you know, that you pick up in the drift and, and then you don't get a good presentation as well. So. Now most now most of the rivers you mentioned are pretty good driftable rivers. Do you do mostly drift boat fishing, or people are coming up whether guided or unguided? Are you seeing a mix of walk wade or a mix of drift, or is it really better to drift right now because of the changing conditions? Well, you know, I'm I'm a boat jockey myself. I'm I'm I'd rather float than wade. That's that's just my preference, and a lot of that has to do with Colorado's wading laws, right? So. As long as we can get in and in public and then float through, you can you know we can access a lot of great water that you can on foot. But some of these streams are really low right now. Um, I mean, if you like Pump House this morning's at 341 cubic feet per second. That is really low. Uh, to put that in perspective, you know, um, I, I want to say back in 03 or 04, I, I think we hit the lowest ever recorded up there was 224. Um, and typically at this time of the year, the river pre-runoff is probably running six to seven hundred. And as we step up now, it, you know, it can run anywhere from eighteen hundred to twenty-five hundred on average, and and that. So low flows. Um, I would say um, we're still floating the Colorado um, and the Roaring Fork. We're doing a little bit on the Eagle and the Gypsum area, but the Eagle's still pretty low for the for you know floating the the main body of the river. Um, and, um, and same with the arc, you know, it's low and it's a real bump down there, but so it's, it's really, there's a mix. We do more floating than wading, but I would say, you know, the wade fishermen right now have got to be loving, you know, one, just easy walking access and, um, and fewer boats on some of these stretches than normal. So, um, so there's a silver lining for, you know, both, both sides of the coin, right? Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you about your operation because this is the first time we've had you on. But when we get done with that, I want you to think about this. I'm going to ask you if you could go in the next few days looking at the weather, where one float trip and one wade trip that you'd kind of gravitate to. But first, tell us about Colorado Angler. What do you have there? You know, we're, we have a brick-and-mortar retail location here in Silverthorne. Um, I don't know how familiar some of you guys are with when you get off the interstate coming, you know, coming to the west from Denver – we're actually turned left, come under the interstate, and we're just up on the right there. Um, you know, the, the two places I always give as landmarks are we're kind of in between Blue Moon Bakery and Sunshine Cafe because a lot of people stop for breakfast or grab a sandwich for their day on the river, too. So we're right there. We've, um, you know, we, we, we really, we have a relatively large guide service, but our, our main focus here at the, at the retail store is service and information. Um, a lot of times I think um, some of that is lacking somewhere. You know, we're all about the free flow of information. So we have about uh, 1,850 fly bins, so good selection on flies for not only trout, but we, we get a lot of guys uh, locally that like to dabble in the pike, particularly at this time of the year when typically there are, our streams are blown out and being close to Williams Fork and, and – um, 
Clear Creek Reservoirs, and some guys will go up even as far as Stagecoach. Um, you know, we've got a selection of pike flies, saltwater flies for the destination guys, a lot of streamers, um, and then, you know, everything from your midges to, to the big meat. So, um, you know, about 1,200 square feet of retail space and, you know, carry a good assortment of rods from um, Sage and Winston, Thomas and Thomas, and and waders and, you know, you know, everything to get you out on the water. Yeah, and it, you mentioned, you know, you have a large guide service. You guide both walk, wade, and float. And yeah. of course you do a lot of you do a lot of floating. You even do a guide school once or twice a year. But if people really want to get a hold of you, how do they find you? Is there a is there a website or is there better on a phone number or a, a yeah, Facebook page? I mean, they page? can they, they can you know certainly you know check out the website at the coloradoangler.com. We uh, we have uh, we we really like to talk to people just because you know when we email back and forth. You know, follow-up questions come up, and next thing you know, you're you know, it becomes a multiple, multiple uh, length thread there. So they can reach us at nine seven zero five one three eight zero five five. And again, we you know we really like to you know give people current information. I, you know, when you're when you're leaving Denver, the Front Range, whether it's you know Fort Collins or all the way down to the Springs, you know there's a lot of choices to be made and, and sometimes go in one direction and you get there and conditions aren't prime and there really was a better option, but now you got to change your direction 60 miles and we could have saved you a little driving in the morning. So don't hesitate to call and uh, we'll certainly give you, you know, current scoop with having, you know, with having such a big, a big presence uh, for guiding. We've got guys on several drainages every day. Today we've got a couple guys on the Colorado, a couple guys on the Eagle. Um, and I want to say we had one boat going out west to try to get more caddis action on the Roaring Fork. So, so we usually have some pretty good real-time information. All right. Now we're going to run out of time here, and I want to get where you might go fishing, but I also know you wanted to mention the salmon fly hatch. So real quickly. Yeah, so – Real quick on the salmon flies, it's it's a little bit weird. Typically, we see on a low water year, uh, we'll see them come off slightly early. Uh, as a general rule of thumb, we tell people Memorial Day, give or take two weeks. Um, but I have seen them come off as early as the 7th of May and as late as the 21st of June over the last 25 years. So last year, they started on the 24th of the month. I was thinking they were going to come a little bit earlier this year, but... The, the cold may be, you know, the weekly cold stuff may be slightly delaying that, and we may see them about like last year. Um, the guides out yesterday were seeing, they were finding good bugs, but not huge masses along the structure and the, and the willow banks. Um, as you know, they, they migrate, they, they're terrestrial hatching, so they crawl up on the bank to emerge, and they emerge at night. So... Um, a lot of times, you know, we go up every morning now starting this time of year, and we'll, we'll get to the river at 7, 8 o'clock to see if they've begun that emergence so we can get back and, um, and get out good information about that. So I would say I think it – I'd like to believe it's going to be in the next 10 days, probably, you know, six or seven days to 10 days out. But – Anything can happen with this with this cold and rain. The next couple, you know, we're looking at a, uh, you know, a afternoon showers for the next five or six days. Um, that may, you know, keep the water temperature a little bit below where they, you know, where they want it. So, 
Yeah, I think it'll be a good year, though. It'll certainly be a great year. Some years when it's running four grand up there and they come off, it's really tough to wade fish. And so at this flow, whether you're wading or floating, it's going to make for good accessibility to, to get into them. Andrew, we're over time, but give me a one minute, two places, one you'd go walk wait if you're going just the next couple of days, and one you'd go drift. Where would you go? Uh, if I'm going to drift, I'm still going to drift to Colorado because, man, I had a great week week out there guiding and a lot of dry fly fishing in the afternoon. So uh, anywhere on the Colorado from Pump House to Dotsero, we're seeing good clarity. that That's 57 miles of water to pick a float. Walking Wade, uh, we're still doing well up there, but... Um, Particularly above Walcott, we're still seeing great clarity on the eagle, and so that's a great walking wade fishery, um, and it's still a little low, so you, you're not going to get swept downstream uh, with, with big water. All right. My friend, we're over on time, but if people want more information or just to talk to you guys, they can find all your contact information at coloradoangler.com. Andrew, yeah, I look forward to having you on it. Don't forget, it's the, the coloradoangler.com. Make sure the you Colorado. have H-E on the okay. front. Okay, com, and I look forward to having you on again. Thanks for all your information. Yeah, Terry, thanks for having us on. Everybody have a great weekend of fishing because the next five days look prime. All right. Andrew Andrew Peterson from the, thecoloradoangler.com. Give them a call. They're going to be what a source of information. We'll take a time out. we come back. Parks and Wildlife are going to join us. We're going to talk about the Colorado Wildlife Council on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. 65 years of serving the outdoor public and locations up and down the front range. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, stop by and check out a Jack's Outdoors near you. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us uh, from the Colorado Wildlife Council is uh, Elin Stribling. Good morning, Elin. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a little bit of a cloudy day, but, you know, we've got the outdoors in Colorado. We live in a great state, and, and a lot of people are, you know, take it for granted, but some people get more involved, and those are some of the people you'll find on the Colorado Wildlife Council. You know, for for people who don't know what the Colorado Wildlife Council is, why don't you kind of explain it, tell them who's on it, and then what the mission is? Absolutely. Uh, and I just want to tell everyone, happy Colorado Public Lands Day. Uh, it's actually Colorado Public Lands Day. Um, so we hope you get out there and get out to fish or hike or camp or go scouting for your for your elk or deer this summer. So, uh, yeah, the Colorado Wildlife Council is made up of nine uh, members kind of across the state. There's hunting and angling representatives. There's marketing and the municipalities representatives. Um, as well as a bunch of other folks. Is, there's some ag people on the board. Um, and the Colorado Wildlife Council, the mission um, is just to spread the word and the benefits of wildlife con- conservation with an emphasis on ways hunting and fishing support conservation. So a lot of people don't know, but um, the majority of wildlife conservation, especially in Colorado, 60, per- 60 to 70% of that comes from hunting and fishing licenses. So we just kind of share that knowledge and share different ways that Colorado can access conservation. Well, you know, you're right that a lot of people don't understand what's known as the North American model. And that is that hunting and fishing are some of the biggest conservation supporters. Uh, 
we preach this for years. And, you know, I go back when somebody tells me they're on the green movement or a conservation movement, I say, welcome aboard the anglers and the hunters, because we want to, we've been doing it for years because we want to conserve the resource. We want it to be there for perpetuation of our use of the resources, our children, our grandchildren, and the activities that we really like. And so the money that goes to fishing and hunting license and excise taxes and different types of that flow from that is channeled back and everybody gets to take advantage of it. The bird watcher, the hiker, I mean, because we're all taking care of the environment. I think one of the missions of the wildlife council that maybe people overlook, and that's the ability or the need to get that message to people, especially in political situations. So do you guys do outreach? Do you find ways to interact with the public and explain issues to them? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, just kind of going back on what you were saying, uh, a healthy river for someone who wants to go trout fishing or uh, a healthy landscape for someone who wants to uh, maybe get their first elk or their first deer um, is a great way to protect land for people who want to go mountain biking or hiking or camping. So I think once you protect the habitat for the animal, you protect a lot of the resources and recreation that we use it for. Um, but we do do a lot of outreach. We go to different events. Um, we'll be at several state parks this year kind of all over the state just sharing the message with people who may not uh know we we will be doing some events with bha backcountry hunters and anglers and trout unlimited uh to just kind of help people share the message of how um, important hunting and conservation is uh not only to wildlife management but to uh, land management and habitat management and um also we just may be going you may just to see us around at different events um, just around the state, just sharing a, a positive love for Colorado and its public lands. And with so many people uh, moving here, just making sure there's an emphasis on, on stewardship and taking care of the place that we all love. Now, if people see you at these events, obviously you want them to come up and talk to you. That's why you're there. But as the general public or the hunting and angling public, is there ways they can help support the Colorado Wildlife Council? Yeah, of course. You can always um, donate but um, and and spread the word. But uh, when you buy a hunting and fishing license or when you buy a state wildlife area pass um, or anything kind of from the state or state parks pass, uh, that money goes to the Wildlife Council to help spread the message. So that's one of the big ones that, you know, we, fo- we focus people on. Um, when you buy a hunting and fishing license, when you see that little $1.50 surcharge, um, that is for wildlife conservation. That's what we kind of um, handle and manage. So uh, there's personal ways to donate. Um, also, if you would like to volunteer, you know, we have four positions opening up um, but at the end of the year to join the council, uh, and that's just a great way to be involved. You know, it's it's volunteer time, uh, but it's a it's a great way to stay involved and kind of help protect this thing that we all love. How would a person find out more information about getting involved in the council or getting nominated? Is there a website or someplace they can go to that would give them that information? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to the Colorado Wildlife Council website. Um, and you can just Google Colorado Wildlife Council, um, or you can message, uh, send a message to the email, and the email is D as in dog, N-R underscore wildlife dot council at state dot C-O dot U-S. D-N-R underscore wildlife dot council at state dot period or dot code dot U-S. 
Um, and you can get more information there, and someone's always kind of uh, manning that email. So if you have a question about the actual council or about any of the positions or, or ways to get involved and help, or maybe even events that you would like to see the Wildlife Council at, um, we'll definitely get back to you. And just to clarify, too, what you said early, a hunting and fishing license, what goes to the Wildlife Council is that, I think, dollar fifty that's earmarked for education. And that's really what you guys are about. Um, you know, we're getting a lot of people, and we're going to talk more about this in the next segment with uh, Bridget Cushell about caring for Colorado and how you have to take care of our resources. But with all the people that are getting outdoors recently, uh, it's so important to educate them to how we maintain those resources because I think a lot of the average person who's not into hunting and fishing doesn't necessarily understand how those dollars are used and how they support all the activities that we all take uh, part in. Uh, Elon, we've got to let you go. Any last comment? No, I appreciate everyone uh, tuning in. Thanks for having me so much, Terry. This is fantastic. I've enjoyed listening this morning. Uh, yeah, and it's Colorado Public Land Day. So, you know, try to learn something new about uh, our public lands here in Colorado and share with someone special. All right, my friend. Thank you so much and for everything that uh, Colorado Wildlife Council does. Thanks for joining us today. Of course. Be good to yourself. All right. Elon Stribling, that was a good message. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined again by Parks and Wildlife, and we're going to talk about uh, what's going on with the, all the um, multiple use we're seeing, the people getting out, and uh, maybe give you a few, a few tips to keep it nice in Colorado. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. I tell you what, if you've never gone in and looked around at one of the Jack's Outdoor Gear stores, whether you're into hunting, fishing, hiking, camping, uh, grilling, they can take care of you. Stop by when there's locations up and down the front range. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us from Parks and Wildlife is Bridget Koshell. Good morning, Bridget. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, we were talking to the Wildlife Council just in the segment before this and talking about how what an important role anglers and hunters play in our conservation and maintaining our resources. But we're seeing a wave of new people going into the outdoors, COVID kind of kicked it off, but a lot of people are found something they love and they're staying outdoors, whether it's hunting or fishing or just walking the trails or going to a paddle sport, or there's just a number of things. People want to be outside. They've discovered how beautiful Colorado is. And now we want to keep it that way, don't we? Exactly. As Colorado, we, we live life outside and we're so lucky to live in this state, but we all have to do our part to think about conservation and how we can balance our outdoor recreation with conservation. Well, and I think there's some things coming up. We've got some particular weeks and days, but when you say that we all need to balance it, it's true that I think uh, a lot of people that are new to getting out there, you know, they used to be in the past, somebody started fishing because somebody took them fishing and kind of taught them the nuances and the etiquette. The same with hiking trails. Somebody found a friend that hiked the trail and went hiking a trail with them. But now these people are looking on the Internet. They're taken off. And it's not that they're bad people. They want to get out. We're all, none of us are out there with a nefarious agenda. We're all out there because we just love the outdoors. But sometimes I think you've got to reinforce some thoughts about the reason you want to be out there is because it's so beautiful. And let's keep it that way, right? Right. And I love the motto of 
leave the land better than you found it. And the way that I think of it is, how do we care for Colorado? Nature was there for us during the pandemic. How can, what can we do? What kind of simple steps can we take to show that we care for Colorado and that we're going to leave no trace to make sure that our landscapes are kept clean? No, and I think a great example of that is when I go fishing from shore, and I do. I have a nice, beautiful, big boat. I have two kayaks. I have float tubes, but I do a lot of shore fishing, and I hate it when I walk up to a place on the shore and there's a candy bar wrapper and a can, or even discarded fishing line, or you know lures that are stuck somewhere. That just all those things. So I try to pick those things up myself and put them in the garbage because I want it to remain nice. But I know people are out. They have kids. They have groups. But just got to pause for a minute. Remember, if you take something in, take it back out. And it's really not that difficult, is it? Right, exactly. What you pack in, you pack out. And what a great way to show that example to kids by picking up trash and just not – it's always taking that extra step of if you see something and you're walking off of a trail and you can pick up trash and throw it away, that's fantastic. That's caring for Colorado. That's showing that – you love the outdoors. Now, we have a couple of weeks going on to emphasize, or a couple of events or activities or things going on to emphasize taking care of the outdoors and how beautiful we have it here. I think one is Outdoor Colorado. Uh, outdoor, uh, outdoor Colorado, is that today? So today, Yeah, so today is Colorado, Colorado Public, Public Lands Land Day. And right. some of our state parks are having um, volunteer sessions where people are at parks and cleaning up. Um, we also have a Care for Colorado Week, a social media campaign. So if anyone wants to use that hashtag, Care for Colorado, and really show conservation in action and show how beautiful Colorado is, but then also take some pictures on social media of people sticking to the trails and not picking wildflowers and trashing the trash and being careful with fire and respecting wildlife and really just showcasing all of those leave-no-trace principles. Well, I think there's just a few things, yeah, that really people need to just keep in their minds. You know, there was kind of almost a panic rush to get outdoors and go hiking, go fishing, go camping. And one of the things I noticed around some of the popular areas were parking. You know, people, instead of parking in the real good areas, they were parking on the side of the roads. They were pulling off to the sides of trailheads. And not only does that inhibit everybody else's passage, but it can do a lot of damage to the areas you're parking in, can't it? Exactly. We want to protect the plants. We also want to avoid any erosion. And so it's really important to park in a designated spot. And if a trailhead is busy, then we do have a Cotrex mobile app where you can look up a different trailhead. So that way you can still spend time outside. And it's just important to know before you go and be flexible with your outdoor plans. And if you're on a trail, stay on a trail, whether you're hiking, whether you're on uh, an ATV, whether you're on horseback, whatever you're doing, people don't realize that when, when they're crowded. And even if you start edging off a little bit and widening those trails, you have a, a, a very detrimental impact to the whole environment around that my last comment is going to be uh, i've been a sportsman all my life as far as hunting and fishing i I know as far back as i can remember and trust me that's a long time uh i think it's incumbent on our people who are already experts or advocates or 
are used to experiencing, whether they hunt fish, hike, whether they just wildlife watch, to take some of these people under their wing in a really friendly way and make sure they understand how valuable this environment is. Absolutely. I think because we live in Colorado, we pride ourselves on our outdoor lifestyle. And so it's all it's everybody's responsibility to keep our state colorful and beautiful. And let's work together, show respect for each other and our outdoor community and show that we care for Colorado. Yeah, we want everybody out there. We want them to enjoy what we have here. Just do it in a proper manner. Bridget, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. I know we cover this a lot, but I think it's an important message to get people reminded to keep these things. That's the way we enjoy them and why we enjoy them. Absolutely. Thank you. It was so great talking with you, and have a great day. You bet. Thanks. Bridget Cashel from Parks and Wildlife. We don't want to get preachy about this and keep going over it because we want you out there having fun. It's just that sometimes people need a gentle reminder. Speaking of a reminder, we have trivia coming up yet in this show, and I'm not going to tell you when or where. And Karen has a habit of posting the answers to the trivia on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And by the way, speaking of social media, um, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. A lot of the fishing we talk about right on the show, like the first segment, we talked about drifting the Colorado River. I think there's two or three shows on our YouTube channel where we drift the Colorado River. We talked about the eagle. There's shows where we fish the Eagle River. So a lot, Arkansas, whatever we, almost everything we touch on here in the fishing realm, there's probably something related to it on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. We'll take a time out and we come back. Speaking of fishing, Austin Parr will join us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us, he's always a wealth of information, especially on the fishing, but, of course, all across the outdoors. That's Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. its uh, I don't know if you heard any of the earlier show. You're probably busy at your shop, but we were talking about how this on-again, off-again weather has affected fishing, and all the way from the rivers running clear to starting to get a little dirty to running clear again to are we going to get a runoff the temperatures getting cold and freezing and snow and then 80 degrees and cold and freezing and snow again i think the fish have no idea what's going on and the fishermen are even worse yeah it definitely has been different to say the very least certainly we're all uh, happy to have some moisture coming in and uh, in some of this drought on the front range and east but it definitely has affected the fisheries, particularly these warm water fisheries. Right now I'm seeing uh, even as much as about a 10-degree temperature difference where we're 10 degrees colder than what we probably should be at this point of the season. Now, I know we've had us off and on again. I looked out the next couple of weeks, and it looks like even though they may be just a little cooler than they are normally this season, the temperatures are going to stabilize probably in the 60s to low 70s. So we should see things settle down. But how do you think, so going forward, are we going to see both up and down the front range, but even more so the mountains? Do you think we're going to start to see things stabilize? I think so, for sure. I mean, we're on the cusp of it, at least for the walleye fisheries to start with here. Uh, Chatfield, we've been out a couple of times this last week, and uh, the fish are trying to get up on structure, particularly as we're getting to the later point in the day uh, and as everything warms up we'll start with fish very scattered and then we'll get a few fish that are up on that structure 
So there certainly have been um, been seeing that. I think that's going to be going uh, pretty good going forward. But one interesting thing about Chatfield is that with how low the water was early this year, it allowed a lot of aquatic vegetation to grow up in places that it not is not normally there. So there's kind of a slimy moss and even some leafy stuff that's down there. So it's being a little bit more challenging to fish some of your standard patterns. So we've been resorting to throwing some jigs on some of these structure points, and it's been a very, very, very light bite. Uh, but catching some fish on jigs and leeches, particularly with some bladed uh, whistler jigs with some of those leeches and then some dead sticks as well. So it's been a pretty sedentary-type presentation, but uh, it has been picking up. Cherry Creek, we're starting to see some fish that are moving up on structure out there in the same way. But once again, that lead core bite has still predominantly been what has been better. And then as you mentioned, those mountain lakes, I'm certainly seeing some good bites happening up there. And uh, this situation with some of this colder weather, as you mentioned as well, is creating some great what you would normally be finding runoff period for places like the Colorado River and the Roaring Fork. Those have been absolutely fantastic. Seeing a lot of caddis around, still some betas mixed in. Um, but then guys with conventional gear have been providing. It's been great success up there right now as well. Another thing that's been really good at some of the lakes, and I know Nate wants to talk some about this too, but a couple of lakes like Granby and Blue Mesa, um, I heard from the folks up at both those lakes that the big lake trout, now I'm not, you know, they're catching 30 to 40 inch lake trout. Now, when I say that, I don't want people running up thinking, boy, I'll get, you know, you might fish all day for two or three bites. You can fish for numbers at those lakes, which is also doing well, but it's a different type of fishery. And right now, that big lake trout and shallow water bite has been phenomenal. All kinds of different options to be playing with right now, and particularly if you're dealing with a weekend like this with heavy, severe weather threats out on the eastern plains, it may be wise to head west. And some of those lake trout lakes are a great choice there. Now, some of our other lakes, like Spinney, are, are low, and, and you don't have uh, any opportunities for big boats, but we certainly have opportunities in a lot of other places, North Park, uh, various other locations in South Park, and as you mentioned, those lake trout lakes. And, and the, with those big lake trout, it's fun because you can do a whole different variety of different things, and Nate certainly is a big-time expert in that realm. But uh, everything from trolling to casting big baits and, and big opportunities on big fish. But then I've been hearing of some other things going on right now, too. So uh, some of the brown trout in some of these bigger lakes, Blue Mesa and Granby, both have been good. But uh, working your shoreline edges uh, with some jerk baits and trolling applications have been good, too. So you could even go to some of those places and maybe fish lake trout early in the morning. And then if that bite's not materializing, shift off and, and go and catch some of your other species out there as well. Yeah, I've heard the same thing, that the browns and rainbows throughout the mountains have been really fantastic. Uh, have you heard anything specific about Lake John? Uh, Lake John has been fishing actually pretty darn good lately. Uh, so I've been hearing mostly conventional success. Uh, some of the fly guys have been struggling a little bit up there. But tube jigs on the outside edges of those weed lines, as well as gulp minnows, as usual, have been producing pretty decent. Um, some days have been better than others, as usual, and, and days with some extra wind, although obnoxious have been better to be pushing some of those fish up against some of those shoreline edges, particularly when a mudline forms. So if you have some good wind up there, it may be annoying, but that's some of the best fishing uh, in some of that high wind, in my opinion. You mentioned uh, eastern lakes. Uh, I know that we could, we're getting to the time of the year when we see these afternoon and evening storms come in, and it can, it can be a little dicey, but have you heard anything about water levels and about the fishing success, especially walleyes, wipers? Yeah, starting off at John Martin down southeast. Right now we're sitting about six or so feet below where we were last year at this same point, but still plenty of water to be putting a boat in. 
Um, last week, it was mostly a trolling bite happening for your white bass, but I have uh, some reports late in the week here that we're seeing some crappies moving up shallow as well as some sawguys and walleyes. Wipers have been a bit sporadic, definitely more white bass than the wipers, but uh, those guys have been, as usual, more of a, a species that's cruising out in your open water and, and definitely good for a trolling bite unless you have a good wind to be pushing up against the shoreline where you can really catch them good. But uh, that's been really worthwhile. Northeastern lakes have been fishing really good lately, actually. Um, some of the wipers at Jackson have actually been pretty productive. Been hearing some sporadic wiper bites at Pruitt. Uh, but the walleye bite out there is maybe a little bit behind schedule, but starting to pick up. So places like Jumbo right now, the jig bite is not so much on, but doing better on a trolling bite. So same kind of situation we're seeing on these front range lakes where our water temperatures in that low to mid 50s range. And once we can get up to about 60 degrees in the morning time, you'll have those fish concentrate and get more on your structure and in your trees and on your edges where you can catch them on jigs a little bit more. But if you're heading out to some of those lakes, don't forget to bring your planer boards and lead core because that may just salvage your day if you're trying to catch some fish on jigs. But we're right on the edge, as we mentioned there. But one thing, you know, just watch your, watch your storms out there. It can get dicey, dicey, dicey. I had a friend on John Martin yesterday and um, had a, a big tornado threat down there and hiding up underneath the dam in a campsite. So it uh, can be a little bit dicey. But if you can hit it right, the fisheries are, are still doing well. Um, and even places like Jumbo that had a salvage on it last year have been producing pretty decent fish still. So we didn't lose a, a whole lot out there at that point. But uh, then you've got places like McConaughey as well. That place has been kicking out some big fish. And McConaughey is always a little bit colder than some of those smaller bodies of water due to its size. But there's a, a variety of ways to catch them, but mostly trolling has been good right now. But if you're looking for a truly big trophy, that would be the lake I would be hitting right now. Yeah, I've seen some big fish came out of McConaughey just recently. And I've seen some big bass coming out of the ponds. The ponds are really yeah. – they've because yeah, you, you, you only need a day or two of warm weather to turn those the local ponds on. Yeah, I mean, they just warm up so much faster than some of those big bodies of water. And if you can get that nice warm day, you can get back out there that next day and have those largemouth turned on. And there's a whole different way, a bunch of different ways you can catch them this time of year. I personally really like running some wacky rig Sankos up shallow. But if you're looking to cover a little bit more water, lipless cranks can still work well right now. Chatterbaits are a worthwhile choice. And even Texas rigs, if you can find a bit of structure on those edges. But uh, you probably have some fish moving up on some uh, beds here pretty quick. I've been hearing a lot of the ponds are not quite there yet. Um, but those are all worthwhile options. And even if you just want to take a kid to some of those ponds, a, a slip bobber and a live minnow or a live leech can be a good choice, even if you want to be casting a secondary rod as well. So that's a good way to to fish that second rod stamp and, and uh, increase some of your production. And then some of these small ponds have walleyes and saw guys in them too. So you can maybe do it with a multi-species affair on some of those days. Well, and you'd mentioned taking kids out. We're going to see, I've been checking a little bit. I haven't for the last couple of weeks, to be honest, but the bluegills and the crappies tend to move shallow in these ponds. Didn't see big movement. I mean, it's going to be different from pond to pond. But we also yep. haven't seen the huge weed growth that can choke some of these because of the colder weather. So I would think the next two, three weeks, you could take a, a little kid out with even a little bit of gulp or a, bit, a little bit of live bait under a clip-on bobber two, three feet down and probably get a bunch of small panfish and, and see some action and see some, some smiles and some eyes light up. 
I completely agree. And then the other interesting thing about this time of year is you'll have some of those bluegills that'll come and hit the surface. I've been hearing a couple of reports of some local ponds where some folks have been doing well fly fishing. So that kid's a great place to introduce a, a kid to fly fishing as well. You can get some small atoms or caddis or even a, a little micro hopper and uh, have good success. I know a couple of people that were doing that this last week and, and uh, just kind of like like you mentioned, maneuvering around some of the local ponds, pretty much all of them have panfish in them, and fishing those shallows with some small hoppers and a little dropper nymph below, and it's nice because it's an easy still water opportunity, a lot of times an easy back cast, so that can be good as well. Austin, we are out of time. If people want to talk to you, get more information, how do they, or book a guide trip, how do they find you? I'm a discount fishing tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Terry. All right, Austin Parr from Discount Tackle. We're going to take a timeout. We come back. Nate Zielinski is going to join us, and he always has some great up-to-date fishing information right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan.